All right, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Welcome to the J Podcast. I am your host, Jahans Lee Maniga, aka Twelve. I have with me a very, very special guest, one of my homeboys for a real long time. But before we get into that, make sure you like and follow the Feel Sixty Eight Media Network for content such as this, different representative representing their different alma maters, such as I'm doing tonight. With me, I have a man who was named honorable mention all area and honorable mention all state in both junior and senior years of high school. He averaged 16 points, five rebounds, three assists a game as a senior at West Side. He attended Nebraska for a year before coming to his senses and joining the good guys. Uh, he's been a sideline commentator for the Jays. He's the, in, the innovator and the inventor of the Ross two-step. He is the godfather himself and the pride of West Side. Omaha's very own Ross Faridi is in the building. Let's go. You got my you got my high school stats, man. Oh, I had to dig way back and find your high school stats. But yeah. also Rob Anderson makes it pretty easy for that kind of information to be out there. Not uh, gonna lie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. High school, unfortunately, <laughs> was a long time ago anymore, man. I don't know if yeah. I don't know if I would have put up those numbers anymore. We got some ta- we got some decent talent in, in Omaha these days, man. How's West Side looking? Have you been able to get back there and, and stay in touch? Good. Yeah, that's actually funny that you say that. I just uh, I played open gym with them like two weeks ago. They got some talented kids. They got so Sharif Mitchell, um, who obviously is great point guard who's hurt right now. But he uh, Sharif went to Burke, but his younger brother is uh, I think he's a sophomore at Westside. He's a nice little player himself too. So they got they got some guys. They 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 should be definitely one of the state title contenders this year. But man, it's just crazy. Like the the talent in the city anymore is 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 nuts. Obviously. You know, Hunter Salas is, was a top 10 recruit. He's a freshman at Gonzaga now, played at Miller North. Um, yeah, there's just, there's kids all over the country from the city uh, playing all over. It's nice. And just saw Jason Green committed to be a, a Blue Jay today. Welcome to the family. We're sure we'll yes. all get to meet him very soon. So yeah, you're right. Yeah. The talent in Omaha is for sure exponentially growing year by year. I remember when I first came as a freshman, uh, some of the talk was that like, you know, we're not getting enough Nebraska products at, at Crane, at Nebraska, even for Nebraska basketball. And now you see yeah. we're trying to recruit those kids pretty hard. So you yeah. being from Omaha and obviously having been in that situation, how much, how crazy is it to see like the development of how much these Omaha kids, these Nebraska kids are getting recruited nationwide now? Dude. Yeah, it's nuts. Um, I like, I mean, just in general. So my younger brother, Nick, who, you know, obviously he's a, I guess he's technically a, a junior at, at, at plays at UNO. Um, and he, you know, so he went to Millard North. He had a great career at Millard North. So when he was a senior at Millard North, Hunter Salas was a freshman. Uh, mm-hmm. Max Morell was a sophomore. And so Max is currently a sophomore at Stanford, plays at Stanford. Hunter Salas was obviously a top 10 recruit, plays at, um, plays at Gonzaga. And then right behind them, so he would have been an eighth grader at the time. He's a senior now is Jason Green, who's a senior at Miller North and is committed to Creighton. So they've just like, that's just one school in general that's had kids, uh, you know, coming out of there like crazy. And then I, I'm not even mentioning St. Thomas, who's a freshman uh, at Loyola Chicago, was also at Miller North last year. So they've, they've had D1 kids like crazy over the past few years. And it's just, uh, it's been like that. I don't, it's been kind of a steady climb. I don't, I don't really you know, I think the city's just grown so much over the past decade plus that there's just a lot more kids now. And there's just a lot of kids in that demographic. And it's, um, 
you know, the Omaha, Omaha Sports Academy Crusaders AAU program is, has really, really helped. They're on the Adidas gauntlet. There's a couple other uh, AAU programs that are on the shoe circuits now. So it's just, there's a lot of kids, a lot of resources. It's, it's awesome to see. I, like I said, I don't, I, I would have been an average high school player, man. Like if I played today, I'll play that lunch. I'm glad that you mentioned the resources too, because I think about this often and I think about it from the lens of just being a player from Canada, growing up in Canada. These kids are getting like hoop mixtapes yep. out of nowhere that like that yep. never existed when I grew up. Only like a handful of guys like the John Walls of the world, the Brandon Jennings of the world. Got right, right. Everyone, you know that kid? I'm like, no, I don't know that kid. No, I don't know that kid. <laughs> but he's a hooper, though. <laughs> yeah. He's a hooper, though, and who has access to be filmed and, and to show his film to everyone in the nation. I know, man. It's a different, it's a different day and age. Like you're hundred percent correct. I mean, when we were coming up, I mean, Twitter existed, but it was not, it was just kind of this small thing that like people just kind of like played around on. It wasn't like it is now. And so yeah. you've just got so many kids and, and, and different like entities, different like independent journalists that are, that are following all these kids and following the AU scene and documenting everything that they do. And like you said, coming out with all these different mixtapes and whatnot is just so many more eyeballs on these kids now that like a lot of a lot of high level kids aren't really falling through the cracks um like like maybe that they used to back in the day when there wasn't all all, all this hype on social media so it's it's crazy but yeah i mean it's yeah canada's got canada's got a few ballers these days man it's uh it's it's impressive yeah we got one in particular that we're definitely going to talk about we got to talk about the game from last night a little yep. bit of a shaky start for the jays but they end up winning 90 to 77 uh so they got all the fans the godfather squeezes that they wanted something that deep, for whatever reason was attached to your personality yeah, yeah. but a, a, a shaky start for the jays halfway through the first half what were kind of your thoughts and your impressions like i can certainly tell you what mine were but i definitely want to hear what your opinion was yeah i well honestly my 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 overarching opinion right off the bat was like this is not the same pine bluff team that we used to play back in the day i mean that those teams were bad like we're talking yeah. seriously bad i mean this team actually had a couple of guys that could could that could do some things that could break you down obviously they were making shots so it was it was like whoa this isn't you know this isn't some just you know lay down pine bluff team from from 2012 that we used to play like these guys and that's what's so interesting anymore about the game is because of the transfer market and because it's almost like free agency anymore is so many programs have all these kids that are transfers and that have played at higher levels elsewhere so it's it's sort of interesting. They, that, that was my first impression is that, that they've got way more talent, I guess, than I expected. Certainly not that they're, you know, going to win 20 games this year or anything like that. I'm not saying that, but they definitely have more talent than I expected. And then the turnovers, I, I mean, that was a, a thing that stood out right off the bat is, is mm -hmm. this team's turned the ball over a lot and they're just kind of trying to find themselves offensively. And especially when you play for somebody like Mac, who, who allows you to play some free flowing, offense and, and let you make mistakes and he wants to get up and down the floor so when you have a lot of young kids and, and new faces you're gonna you're gonna make some mistakes and turn the ball over playing that type of style that's just the way it is so those are my first impressions um i said this last night on the post game show i didn't i didn't have down uh, nine to pine bluff at halftime on my season bingo board but uh right. i'm glad that they kind of turned it around the second half for sure 
Well, it's great that you mentioned, you know, one, their continuity isn't necessarily there for the Jays yet, yet, which is what leads to some of those turnovers. These guys, right. in my opinion, are still not only young as a team, but they're young with that camaraderie, with that getting to know each other on the floor, which is something that, you know, the teams that you and I are, were on, we had yep. great camaraderie, but it took time to get there, right? Like my freshman yeah, year, we were, it, doesn't it didn't look so hot. Right. right. And, but I'm just so happy that they were able to turn it around because at one point I was like, yikes, like this is not looking so hot. Uh, yeah, but I certainly I mean, understand that it takes a little time to get, you know, a groove growing, especially for those guys who are playing their first games, who also, when you look at the uh, stats at the end of the game, they look very impressive. But it's just that first eight to 12 minutes look very, very shaky yeah. for the boys. Yeah, they're trying to they were trying to get their feet under them. And it's 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 hard, man. Like you're you're playing in your first. It doesn't matter who you're playing. You're playing in your first division one college basketball game. There's fans back in the arena now. It's just it's a different deal. It doesn't matter who you're playing. I mean, it's it's and, and this is where kind of what I touched on earlier with the transfer market, uh, the way it is now and the parity in college basketball is unbelievable now compared to what it used to be i mean you see low majors beating high majors all the time there was a few of them last night the citadel went into pit and won by 15 yesterday Mm -hmm. um i mean there's just there's just way 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 more of that anymore and so it's these other teams have got players and so you can't just you know walk into a game and say oh we're paying we're playing pine bluff like i'll just kind of go through the motions and we're going to win by 50 um you know gonzaga and texas can do that but not everybody else can can do that you know so um it it was nice to see them bounce back though before we move on to the next topic let me tell you guys a little bit about our partners over at bet rivers sportsbook if you haven't signed up with bet rivers yet now's the time because they're offering a 250 dollar match bonus for your first deposit but what sets them apart is that they require just one playthrough to turn your bonus into cash money. With their new rush pay instant approval, withdrawing your winnings is safer, more secure, and more reliable. With basketball season tipping off, get in on the action by going to betrivers.com today or by downloading the BetRivers iOS app. You must be 21 years or older. Gambling problem? Call telephone number 1-800-GAMBLER. Another thing I have to mention, the Jays can fly. And I'm not talking about threes yeah. anymore. Them nope. dudes are attacking the rim like no yes. other. Yes. And we I remember uh, like exactly. I remember the one team that kind of this team reminds me of as far as first impressions is concerned is that Justin Pan, Maurice Watson, Marcus Foster, Ty- Kyrie Thomas. Uh, I think Cole Huff was starting at the four at the time, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Uh, but that, yeah, that team got up on the rim too. But yeah, that team the Jays athletic. are very athletic. <laughs> yeah, Kaluma Kaluma's a guy that's he he's a player, man. I mean, he is he had a crazy dunk, and then obviously Alex O'Connell, um, the coaching staff has been telling us for for a couple of years now, uh, or I guess a year and a half or whenever since since Alex has been there that he's the most athletic guy in the team, and he certainly mm-hmm. saw that last night. So. Um, yeah, between, between Kaluma and, and Alex and, uh, I think Trey Alexander and, you know, Ryan Nemhard's an athletic kid too. I mean, they've, they've certainly got, uh, some of those type of guys that, you know, we've, we've obviously had, you know, Creighton, I think, and especially like nationally, the, you know, the perspective on Creighton is, you know, these are a bunch of skilled players. They always have shooters, they move the ball, they run this you know, fun type of offense, 
Um, but it's not like we've got, you know, a bunch of dunk contest guys, you know, <laughs> you know, coming out of the locker room year after year. We've had some, we've had some athletic guys, don't get me wrong, but this team yeah. kind of looks different in that respect. Yeah, for sure. I can't wait for them to get more deflections. Once they transfer that athletic into the defensive end, get some more steals, get up on the break, we're going to be seeing a lot more high flying dunks. But it was very impressive to see some of the stuff that those guys were doing last night. I, I have to mention this. This is not something that I like to do, but Kalkbrenner didn't look quite like the Kalkbrenner we expected to see, especially yeah. playing with Team USA, having a pretty good freshman year going into his sophomore year. I think a lot of us expect a lot of big things out of them. Kind of tough matchup for him last time with those guys spreading it out as much as they did and, and him really not finding a, a spot on the floor to be really effective. But a slow start to this season. What do you think we should our expectations should be for Kalkbrenner this year? Yeah, no, it's a it's it's a really good question because uh, I mean we talked about it last night on post game a little bit, and I, I was chatting with some people this morning um, in the office about him. I mean, Ryan is he's an interesting case study because he's he's so one he's obviously so big and long, um, but he's so skilled too, especially around the rim, right? Like he's. You know, he's a guy that if he's in the, you know, in the right matchup and in the right spots, I mean, he can, he'll go seven, eight from seven or eight from the field. Like it's nothing. I mean, he's, mm -hmm. he's just got that touch around the rim, but for, for some reason with Ryan, there's, there's always seems to be, I don't know what the right word is. Maybe like sometimes a lack of fire a little bit. And maybe that's, and I'm not this a little timid maybe that. Yeah, and I'm not saying that that's what he actually is. That's maybe just how it comes off sometimes when you're just watching him on the floor. I think he's just, you know, he's a he's a guy that he's not going to get near as fired up as as some other people, you know, might get fired up. So mm -hmm. it's it, sometimes you you feel like it's like, all right, Ryan, like let's turn up the intensity uh, a couple of notches here and and, and go from there, but. Yeah, so I don't know the you know I think he only played 14 minutes or something, and Keyshawn came off the bench and played 23. I'm not sure if there's some underlying. Maybe Ryan like didn't feel well or something. Even you know even if he wasn't you know playing to his to his best capabilities, 14 minutes does seem a little light. So I'm not sure if there's more more there than it. But uh, but yeah, I, it's 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 the first game. You know Ryan's going to have some moments this year that are going to remind us all that he was you know, on team USA, you know, U19 team for a reason. Um, and, and I'm, I'm expecting him to get back to that type of level at some point. He was the only started to not be in double figures last night, which, you know, sometimes that can happen. But like I said, I just felt like he would be one of those mainstays, which we would really, really rely on. I still think he will be, but I also think the matchup last night just didn't necessarily favor a guy of, of his size and his skill and coach Matt yeah. made the decision kind of pretty early on to, go with guys who are going to be able to play at the pace that Pine Bluff was playing at because those guys were also pushing the ball back against the Jays. Right, right. They were, and the other, I think the other um, weakness of Ryan's is is, uh, is foot speed. And, mm -hmm. you know, when, when you're playing a team like that, that's really playing basically all guards. I mean, they don't really have any bigs. And they're, you know, they're trying to get out in passing lanes and create steals and get up and down the floor. And, um, you know, they, they wanted a high pace game too. So, you know, I think that just sometimes that doesn't fit Ryan as well. That, uh, that type of game, I some Keyshawn Fiesel, who's just uh, a little bit more athletic, a little bit faster. Um, and, and so you, you saw Keyshawn get some decent minutes last night, which he's a guy I'm excited mm -hmm. about. I think he provides a, a pretty nice, 
spark off the bench um, as a as a big who can do some things. He's a little bit vers- more versatile. Uh, obviously, he's a pretty strong kid. He's kind of been through some been through some wars in college basketball. He kind of gets how it works. So I think he's going to be a guy that could really really help them this year. We got to talk about the freshman first, Ryan Emhard, the Canadian kid, the only, the second ever Blue Jay Canadian. I was the first one. I'm very proud to say, uh, 15 you and 11, and his. I was the first and the one and only. I've been begging Coach Mack to keep recruiting up there. He doesn't want to go up there. Wow. I guess. Wow. We got the. Uh, oh. Hold on. We got the. No. We got the lights. There we go. Sorry. There um, we go. No, you're good. Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't. I didn't realize you were the one and only. That seems. Yeah, that I, seems crazy to me. I, when I first got there, I asked Rob Anderson to look into it, and he confirmed after going through years and years of rosters that I was the first Canadian to ever play. And so now we have our second one, and Ryan Nemhart, 15 I love points, it, man. 11, 11, or 10 assists. Uh, I love his pace. Uh, I love the way that he plays. His head is always up, and he just love seems it. so wise beyond his years. First impressions of Ryan Nemhart. Uh, well, I'll tell you my uncle's first impression. I, 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 <laughs> I talked to my uncle in the office this morning and he, he came in and he, he proclaimed that after one game, he thinks Ryan Nemhard will be the best point guard to ever play at Creighton. <laughs> I go, man, I go, man, listen, I'm high on him too, but like you're saying that after one game against Arkansas Pine Bluff, like you sure you want to give it a little bit of time? Ryan Sears out the window. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, all right, man, like, sure. Um, no, I love obviously most, most people that are hoops junkies that understand the game well you know you take you watch him for 10 minutes and you just fall in love with him right like he's just a guy who is so smooth so fluid with the ball pushes the ball in transition gets the spots knows where everybody is on the floor um he's just he's just a player man like that's at the end of the day you know sometimes we tend to overcomplicate things uh in our game and he's just one of those guys that's just like he's just a player he just knows what he's doing he's a guy that gets it i'm extremely impressed he obviously turned the ball over a little bit but one that's going to happen in our system with some young guys two he's got the ball in his hands constantly and they're giving him the freedom to go out and make plays so i i wouldn't look too far i would caution people not to look too far into the to the turnover thing now if he's starting to really, really turn the ball over at a high clip and in, at inopportune times consistently throughout the year, then maybe we can say that. But uh, I think he'll find his footing there for sure. Arthur Kaluma, uh, Baller, 15 man. points, eight rebounds, three assists, a couple Love of blocks him. in there too, if I'm not mistaken. Love he, he just looks like a different type yeah. of freshman, in my opinion, not one that we've had our eyes on in a blue yeah. uniform in a really, really long time. Uh, okay you're yeah. already speaking on it tell me yeah, how you he's I, lo- I, I love him I love him I mean so another piece of uh, interesting info was so he played for the Uganda national team this summer right and that was was that the African countries so qualifier he played, he played for the U19 team as well as the men's national team for the Afro basket right. qualifier. Afro basket. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. And Mike Brown, who has been a longtime NBA head coach, is currently Steve Kerr's assistant with the Golden State Warriors. Golden State. The head coach of the Nigerian team and was really high on him after they played Uganda. Um, and so that, I think that speaks volumes. A guy that's been, you know, a staple in the NBA as a coach for as long as Mike Brown has speaking that highly of, of Arthur. And so I, I you know, I think Jay's fans 
have had high expectations for him and been excited to watch him play just because of what we hear about him. And he's a, he's a guy that's going to be really, really, really good. I mean, he's just, he's an athletic kid, strong, tenacious, um, goes after offensive rebounds. Um, He's just, I I think once he, once he starts to find a rhythm with his jump shot as well, he's going to be a guy that can score kind of from anywhere on the floor and he's going to be really, really hard to guard. So I'm, I'm, I'm pumped to see Arthur, man. I'm, I'm pumped to see his development, no doubt. Jays fans are going to be really happy that he's wearing our jersey instead of another jersey of any yes. other of these college teams around the nation. 100%. Ryan Hawkins, a Division II transfer who came in. I love his grit. I love his toughness. 16 points, 11 rebounds. Uh, he's going to have, like, that that role of, like, the guy who does all the dirty work, who brings his uh, hard at on uh, to every game. What were your impressions of him in his first time in a Blue Jay uniform? Yeah, no, you're kind of spot on with that description. I mean, he's he's one of those dudes who just knows how to play the game, kind of kind of mm-hmm. like Ryan Nemhart a little bit, obviously a different position, but he always kind of seemed to be in the right spot at the right time. You know, he's not he's not a guy, at least on TV. I, I, I didn't go to the game last night. I, I just watched on Fox Sports 1, but um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, he doesn't seem terribly physically intimidating like or imposing, but he's – he just knows how to play. Like he's, mm-hmm. he's always in the right spot at the right time. Obviously he can knock down open jumpers, great pick and pop guy, but I think he can do a little bit more than, you know, I, cause I think body size, he's really similar to like Roggy, but he can do, he can do more than, than just pick and pop. I mean, he can probably put the ball on the floor a little bit too and get to the rim and um, he'll, he'll grab some offensive rebounds and, and put backs. So yeah, it's uh, it's a it's a crazy jump for him. I mean, he's going from Division two to, to the high major level, and he's playing the Big East from from Division yeah. two just a year ago. So um, obviously, he's good enough to play at this level, but it, it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment. But I, I expect him, of all people, he's been around the game, he's older, he knows what he's doing. I expect him to have a pretty solid year, no doubt. So you say you watched a game on Fox Sports last night as well, right? Yeah. So did you have the frustrations yeah. of jumping around from game to game? Well, no, bro. So I got, so if you watch on the app, so like I have Apple TV, so I just have the Fox sports right. app. You could watch the full game on, on the app instead of like, if I just had cable, if I was just in my office or something and had it on cable, I, they would do the jump around thing. So I actually, since I live, uh, you, you've been to my place in Omaha. I, I live right, right by CHI. So I tried to walk over there at halftime. And they're doing this deal this year where they have all like digital tickets. Like, I don't think they, they printed tickets this year. Um, mm-hmm. And I, so I pulled up the tickets. I'm walking over there at half and I pull up the tickets and it said they expired. And it, at halftime, I'm like, what? Damn. So, I just, so I just walked, I just walked, I just walked back to my place. <laughs> I'm like, all right, that's so bad, I, I guess. I had the jumper on going from game to game for a little bit. I actually had to come back and watch the game on Synergy earlier today. Obviously, uh, I'm a seven-hour time difference. Yeah, yeah. So that's how I was able to, like, actually see the flow of the see game. See what's going on. Uh, yeah, because yeah, I, I caught some glimpses of it live. And I kept being like, dude, come on, man. Go back to the crane game. Like, stop talking. Like, Jackson, get out. Get off the screen, man. And you know I'm a, I'm a yes. big Bill Raffrey guy. But I was like, come on, guys. Yeah, like, they're, they're, on, they're talking. Going. Yeah. <laughs> It's, that's the one thing. It's like, all right, if you want to jump to another game with some action, that's one right. thing. It's still a tad annoying, but like, all right. But I, I don't need – yeah, we don't need those guys. Oh. Oh, you muted yourself still, I think. <laughs> I'm muted. There. No, you're Maybe good. It's... We got you back. 
man, I feel like a, I'm like a, I'm like a boomer right now with this. What is going on here? <laughs> no, you're good. You got, oh, well, now I got Just your video needs- and no audio. There it is. You're perfect now. You're good. I can't see you though, man. It's got me in, it's got me in safe driving mode. Oh, well, as long as I can see you, I think, I think we're you can fine. See me fine now? Yeah. Yeah. We're good. We're perfect. This is crazy. Uh, All right. Continue. No, I was saying that like all the commentating that was happening as they were jumping around from game to game, like just jump from one game to the other, show the action yeah. instead of just being in the studio talking yeah. about all these big East teams. It's yeah. And then you got, yeah. So I, I saw, but uh, you, I mean, you probably saw a little bit of some other big East teams. I mean, I saw Xavier struggle with Niagara, mm-hmm. um, St. John's wax Mississippi Valley. Yeah. A little God. bit of a cakewalk there. Yeah. 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 Um, what it did, what were your like, brief impressions on some of those other teams that you saw if anything well to be honest to see shaka smart system in a marquette jersey was a little weird, weird. i'm yeah, not gonna lie weird. to you like that was weird to see those guys kind of fly around and, and compete so hard defensively because i haven't seen a marquette team really be that committed to the defensive end since uh i'm blanking on the coach's name who is at virginia tech now um uh, buzz williams Buzz, yeah, since Buzz was well, he's there, a Texas so. A&M now, but he did go to Virginia Tech. Oh, yes. actually, yeah. see, people are just yeah. flying around all over the nation. I didn't even yeah, know that. People, yeah, job to job, man. <laughs> it's hard to keep track of where everybody it's is. Crazy. It? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Shaka and Marquette's going to take some getting used to. That's a that's a different one, no doubt. They uh, they struggled a little bit. I saw with SIU Edwardsville. Um, they just they don't have a lot of guys back. They had some trans. Uh, you look at games it's uh it's it's a different deal so but he's, he's got to build it back up before we get away from the GA's game last time we got to talk about Alex O'Connell uh finally yep. started to fall he really like brought some energy with obviously his dunks and, and him flying high towards the rim uh, but I think he's going to have a very specific role this year, which is, you know, maybe his point production might not be as high as always, but I think in key moments when Jays need a basket, he's certainly going to be one of the guys that they're going to look forward to. What, what is your, do you think I have the right take on that? Or, or do you think that would be maybe somebody yeah. else in the lineup? No, I think, I, I mean, I think maybe by the end of the year, that guy that where they might need a bucket in a close game, that guy could develop into being Kaluma. Um, I think right now yeah, you're yeah. probably right that it's that it's Alex and um, Alex didn't play great in the first half. I was a little bit concerned uh, at the first half. I'm like, man, Alex is kind of supposed to be our guy, our steady guy, and he he kind of struggled in the first half. But man, he found his he found his footing in the second half. I mean, he's he's a guy that obviously has a, a pretty elite level of athleticism. He got in some passing lanes and, and got some dunks that got him fired up and that gave him some confidence, started knocking down some shots too. So right. he's uh, I think this is going to be a very, very inconsistent three point shooting team um, compared to what we're used to at Creighton. Right. We've only had maybe one or two teams that couldn't shoot it all that well. And even those teams still shot it relatively well compared to the rest of the country. So it's just, kind of a different makeup than what we're used to, but he's one guy that I think is going to have to shoot the ball consistently pretty well this year. Um, And I think we might be in decent shape if he can do that. So uh, I'm high on Alex. I think he does some really nice things. Um, You know, it's a different, it's a different deal for him. You know, he's a bench guy at Duke um, has a little bit of success there. Then he comes here, gets eligible after a few games. It's the COVID year. He comes off the bench 
for a team that's got all these guys that had just won the Big East a year prior. So he's kind of getting his, his feet wet with them. Um, mm-hmm. So now he's kind of like the guy. It's a, it's a different position for him. So I, I think mm-hmm. he'll definitely settle in. And I'm, I'm excited about Alex. I, I think he's going to be a really key cog this year. I had a few people text me during the game last night, like, man, I've never seen the Jays miss this many threes. It's like, guys, it's game one. It's game one. This is like, we're, I know, like, we're jumping the gun a ton and, and we're trying to give our first impressions of the team, but we also have to realize patience is going to be uh, what is needed to be exercised this year. This is a young team who hasn't played a lot of basketball together. We still need to give them a little bit of leeway to learn and, and to maybe you know, shoot themselves in the foot every once in a while, but learn from that process and keep getting better game by game. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. There's going to be some, there's going to be some learning pains with this team. No doubt about it. I mean, they're going to, I said this at the bit before the season started, I, I they're going to lose a couple of games or probably be in some close tight games that they shouldn't be. Okay. Case in point last night, but they're probably at some point this year, they're going to beat somebody um, or be in the game with somebody they shouldn't be. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and uh, that remains to be seen, obviously. But uh, yeah, there's just that's just something we're going to have to deal with this year. It's a different different team, right? Coach Mack has this saying where he says it's never as good as it seems, and it's never as bad as it seems. Yeah, you right. somewhere in the middle. I yeah, think that's exactly. really going to apply with this year's team for sure. Hundred uh, percent. I mentioned your high school stats in the open. You come from a basketball playing family. Your brothers play basketball. You play basketball. When did yeah. you guys realize, like, this is what it is? Like, we love basketball. We want to be hoopers. This is what we're gearing towards in our lives. Man, I don't Like, it's, it's interesting when you're a kid. I mean, you kind of just, you almost get, like, adopted into it, um, you know, just based on kind of what your family, you know, does. I mean, my mm-hmm. my. My whole family played hoops. Like my dad played in high school. My uncle played. My uncles played in high school, uh, and so they just they just love hoops, and we just love sports in general. I mean, we've just right. every single sport we played. Um, you know, my brother Stephen, who you obviously know, I mean, he played high school football. He's a good high school football player. Uh, Nick, the youngest one, was a good athlete too. But, but for, I mean, we just for whatever reason, basketball was just kind of our thing. It was just the one of all the main sports that we all played that we all just gravitated to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. And then, like, so when I was growing up too, my dad helped out. I think I was in elementary school, maybe like second or third grade or something. And he started helping out at Scott Catholic High School, just kind of on the side as a volunteer. He knew the head coach. And, and then he, he moved on to helping, helping that same head coach at Westside for about a decade. And so we were just, every winter, like it, that was just our deal. Like we were, we're in the gym and even in the summer, yeah. as, as you know, like even in the summers, you're, you're in the gym cause AAU. So we're just constantly spent time in the gym. I mean, that's just, you know, especially the winter months, it's just like basketball, basketball, basketball. I mean, I've, I've told people before, I've never even been, I've never been skiing once in my life. And I, I, get, this, <laughs> I get this like incredulous look, like, how could you have never been, how could, how come you have not skied before? Like, how's that possible? Right. And I'm, I'm like, dude, you gotta understand once the winter comes, <laughs> that's all we do is we're in the gym. Right. So, yeah, I don't know, man. It's just, I, I'm sure it's like, like you, it's the same thing. Like as a kid, like basketball just becomes your thing. Right. And then that's right. That. It, bro, it's so funny that you mentioned that because I'm Canadian. And when I talk to people, I've never been skiing or snowboarding. Like they look at me like I'm insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm just like, <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right at the fact that like, 
okay, it's like AU season all summer long. And then before you know it, it's fall. So you're training for basketball. Then it's basketball season over the winter time. Yeah. Before you know it, the like cycle continues and you just don't do any of these outdoor activities that most kids no. get into because all, you're just constantly in the gym. Yeah, man. It's an all year deal anymore. I mean, I remember mm-hmm. like, I remember getting done with the high school season back in the day and literally the, like the weekend after or like two or three days after the high school season, the state tournament ends, you get right into AAU practice, like for the spring and the summer. So it just, and hoops really the only month that people is more of kind of a down month where people don't really do anything is August that kind of across Mm -hmm. the board. August is more of a chill month for about every level. But other than that, it's, it's pretty much full go at like every single month of the year. Bro, you know what I can't, like, when I think back on it, every time I think back on it, I think it's so absurd. Maybe it's because we're in our 30s now, but I think back to, like, those weekends where you have to play, like, six, seven, eight games to win a championship. Can you imagine putting your body through that? No, man. No. <laughs> Bro, I play in a Wednesday. I play in a Wednesday night league now, and uh-huh. so it's just one game. Like one game on Wednesday nights, and I—I I mean, like I can barely walk to the bathroom in the morning on Thursdays. Like it's like that—it's <laughs> that painful. So it's, yeah, it's just a different. It's a—it's different when you're that age. I don't—I don't yeah. know what it is. You can just go, go, go. Right, I'm bro. I'm so happy you're on the podcast. You're actually the first walk on that I've had on the podcast, and I think Love you guys it. don't get nearly enough credit for you know what it takes to be a walk-on to, to get on a team you never know when your number is going to be called but you know that your the main job is for you to prepare like the team to play against you know you play a lot of scout team yeah, so you yeah. have to know the opponent's team sets and you have to know your own sets and it's just a whole ordeal yeah it's a lot talk to me about like some of the things that like the average fan wouldn't necessarily know about walk-ons and you know what it takes to be a walk-on and, and to go through that grind every single day as a collegiate student yeah, um, I think you kind of hit the, the nail on the head with like the plays and the scout team, because in the middle of the year, when you're kind of immersed in, in scout team and some programs, some programs get way more into scout team uh, than others. Mac, Coach Mac is a guy that gets pretty detailed with his scout teams. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you just have to remember everything. I mean, you just but but the, the good thing is it helps you really like learn the game obviously when you're coming from high school and you, you you know how to play and stuff but you're not the intricacy of plays and stuff is not what it is at the college and at the pro level and everything so you just you learn the game from a deeper level and like what all five guys are supposed to be doing on the floor so that's something I think that really helped me and you know kind of conceptualize everything that's going on on the floor is okay, we have our own stuff that we run at Creighton, right? Like I know all of those things that I know how we're supposed to play, but every single program does things differently. Okay. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, yes, basketball is basketball, but there's a million different ways you can play it. And so that was kind of an interesting education I got from being on scout team all those years was all these programs do things so much more differently from either an offensive standpoint or a defensive standpoint. And so you just learn to play, all these different styles. That was really interesting to me. Obviously it's, it's time consuming, man. Like it's, it can get, you can get down. I, I mean, I'm trying to think back, like you can get down on yourself sometimes because you're, you know, there, there's not enough hours in the day. Like you're going to class, you know, then you're going to hoops and, and it's like, obviously you know that you're not going to play a whole lot and it's just, 
and it's, it's different everywhere. It depends what, what type of team you're on. Like I was on, I was on good teams. Like I thought I was a decent player, but I, mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't going to play on our teams because I had guys in front of me that were better than me. It's just how it is. And so on and, and all of a sudden, you know, there's tons of injuries, guys don't pan out. And then you, you get a whole bunch of minutes. It's just, it's different everywhere. And so you, you gotta, I guess, have a strong enough mindset to, to, uh, to be like, this and this is what I got to do. Um, I don't have the luxury of kind of just going through the motions sometimes, like maybe some of the scholarship guys might do just because they're bigger and more athletic and more talented. So it kind of gives you that, like that internal work ethic of, of what do I need to do to, to try and be successful. And then mm-hmm. the other thing I would say is it would be really, really hard. I will say this. It would be really, really hard to be a walk-on um, if you weren't on a team full of guys uh, that you enjoyed being around. Like if you look back at our teams, some of my best friends in the world were that I played, who I played college hoops with and we all got along and it was fun. And it was always mm-hmm. we were laughing constantly. It was, it was awesome, but it's not, again, it's not like that everywhere. I mean, there's just, there's teams where there, there's a lot of bad dudes on the team and it's just a, a much different vibe. And I think that would be a way, 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 way harder place to, to be a walk on what you just said right there like it rings so true to me because like when I talk about my college experience and some of the teammates like the import teammates the American teammates that I have overseas yeah they look at me like I'm an alien like that is not at all their (laughs) you know that is not at all their experience like right I don't want to call out any school in particular but you know like I always tell somebody like oh like we used to hang out all the time like when I go back in the summer times I still hang out with those guys we still kind of you know, yeah. even though our lives kind of bring us in these different paths, we still find times to, you know, hang out with each other, you know, get to catch up and, and take each other out to eat and, and go out and have a good time. Those guys don't do that. They go back to their alma maters and they just do their own thing or they just refuse to go right. back at all, which is uh, right. kind of crazy, in my opinion, because I could never imagine that being our situation. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. Yeah, it's it's different everywhere. And I, and I think at the end of the day, that's where it uh it eventually falls on the head coach to establish an unbelievable culture and Mm -hmm. you know not every not every program is as fortunate as us we 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 have a head coach who is big on that and who understands the importance of that and so for the most part the guys he recruits are good dudes that are going to fit in with most of the guys that they play with and so we just got it's all kind of just continues to feed on each other and compound and all of a sudden you have this this great culture of all good dudes that want to see each other succeed now it's not to sit here and say that every single person comes in and fits fits in that mold perfectly um mm-hmm. that, that would be impossible but uh, yeah it's it starts with the head coach and, and and his staff in my personal opinion um as a guy that's been around college basketball i've been around a lot of other staffs um i coached for a bit after college it's um you know, it's, it's, it's not an easy thing to implement like that type of culture. It's really not. So it's, it's a unique thing that Creighton has. You and Taylor Stormberg used to give me fits. You guys were the two guys that I had to defend the most uh, during my time. (laughs) And like, it's so crazy because like you guys would run, obviously, like you mentioned, different systems from different programs and, you know, not all programs run the same things. So from week to week to week, you guys would, show up with a totally different place that I had to adjust before a couple of days before yeah. we had a day off and then I had to do it all over again. Right. I remember 
vividly my freshman year one time. I, I forgot who we were playing against, but you came off a down screen. I thought I had defended you pretty well. You, you put you put the ball on the ground like a hard dribble, a nice little sidestep, pulled up, knocked it down. When I went back to the <laughs> sideline, I remember Daryl Ashford said, dude, you're fine. Like, he hit you with the two-step. <laughs> I was like, Damn. <laughs> What? So my question to you, Ross, is do you remember, like, specifically – Maybe uh, I don't want to say like a, a playbook per se, but like a style of play that when you do, that was implemented during that week of scout team, you're like, yeah, I'm going to have myself a good week because like I know that kind of style and, you know, it really yeah. fits into my game. Um, typically, I'm trying to think of like scout. I'm trying to go back and think of scouts. So I usually played, if, if Crane fans remember Colt Ryan for Evansville, I, oh, usually, played, yeah. <laughs> I usually played him. Which was which was fun and it wasn't fun because like everything they do went through him. So and they mm-hmm. they ran kind of an, a more old school type of offense where they would set a million like double screens for him and screens away from the ball. And it, the whole design was to get him the ball. So I remember I was I would just be exhausted after those practices because like the whole time we'd be doing scout stuff and like the idea I, I'm running off a million screens and then the, the mm-hmm. idea was to like basically get me the ball and I had the green light to go score, which is, which is fun. But at the same time, yeah. when like the entire defense is, is keying on somebody, it, it can be pretty exhausting. Um, Axing, so that, that's, yeah. one that, that's one that stand, that's one that stands out. And that's what, that's not, honestly, God, that makes you appreciate, like guys that can really put the ball in the hoop and that have the entire defense's attention on them constantly. It makes you appreciate those guys way more because it, it is not easy to constantly have guys running at you, constantly have double teams, uh, guys on your hip uh, fighting through screens like crazy. So, um, you know, that, that, that's always an interesting, that was always an interesting <laughs> scout to release, but um, usually the most fun, like the most fun I had doing any sort of scout were, teams that got up and down the floor and kind of fired threes. Like I, that was my, that was my game. Like I remember yeah. when we played, I remember when we played Alabama in the NCAA tournament um, in 2012 and they had like no shooters. And so right. they just played. And a they were different... slowing it down walking it up yeah. the floor. Yeah. <laughs> they played a, Yeah. They played a different, they played a different brand, man. And they were, yeah. I remember the coaches were like, Ross, we, I'll be honest. We don't really have anyone that you can play. Like, <laughs> You're not like a, you're not, you're not a six, eight long, super athletic dudes. And that's what yeah. all they have. So yeah, you might have to sit out a lot of plays. As nice. Easy week for you, Dad, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, it, it I was, want to go back. It was, it was interesting though, man. It was just, uh, yeah, it was, it was a fun, fun education. No doubt. I want to go back to that Colt Ryan example. When you spend like a week, you know, exemplifying a particular individual and then we play them and let's just say like we're playing them and I'm messing up on the floor and you see Colt Ryan score what goes through your head after like that entire week of like running those sets and knowing exactly what's going to happen if someone like me messes up what goes through your head at that point in time well I I think honestly man (laughs) what's interesting about stuff like that is you can practice like you can do all that you, all that you want on scout team. Okay. You can try and simulate what the other team's going to do a thousand different ways and a thousand times until it's, you know, until you're blue in the face. But at the end of the day, like, obviously this doesn't come as a secret. Like I was not as good as Colt Ryan. Colt Ryan was a much better basketball player than me. So all of a sudden, yes, despite the fact that 
you do know what's going on, what they're going to run for him. Like you spent two days guarding me in practice <laughs> far inferior as a basketball talent to somebody like a Colt Ryan. So then it's, it's kind of, it's kind of, you know, brought up a notch, not only that, but then like, obviously the actual team that's running their stuff is going to do it better than better. any scout yeah. team, you know? So it's just, it's always a little bit different. I think there's a, there comes a point of, in my opinion, there comes a point of no return. Sometimes like you can over-prepare, I think, and like overdo things. Um, and I'm not saying that we did, we did or didn't do that. Um, it, it sounds like most successful programs really, you know, implement their scout team as thoroughly as possible, but it, it does come a point at sometimes, in my opinion, a point of no return where it's like, all right, we know that they're going to run some of these things. We don't need to like we don't need to, you know, beat this into submission here. Like, let's just try and get guys the right spots and go from there. You know, right? You talked about, you know, your NCAA tournament experience where we beat Alabama. We lost uh, North Carolina in Greensboro, yeah. which is a tough task. Uh, I think that was your actual last collegiate basketball yeah. game, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But you got to experience the NCAA tournament. Talk to me about like going through that journey of, you know. I mentioned in the open that, you know, you went to Nebraska for a year, then you came home to Omaha and you were a Blue Jay and you're a ride or die Blue Jay ever since then. Like I, yeah. I almost didn't, even, I almost forgot that you went to Nebraska when I was like, looking up some that. of the stuff. on the <laughs> yeah, yeah. So talk to me about like your overall college experience and like for it to culminate to, to end the way that it did, like what were your thoughts going through your mind? Like during that moment, if you can remember that. Yeah, no, I remember it fondly. Um, well, funny enough to go back forward to, I always, like whenever anybody, some sometimes whenever people mention Nebraska, um, mm -hmm. I, I played in one. I played in one game. I played against Chadron State, Division Two Chadron State, and then I redshirted. Um, and so I played a few minutes towards the end of the game, and I got called for a charge. I was like an eighteen-year-old kid and got called for a charge on this like two hundred and forty pounds. Uh, it was like 240 pound, bro. It was, it was pretty alarming looking back, but, um, no, that week, I, I mean, I remember that week pretty fondly, uh, obviously the Alabama game. Um, I remember us hanging out. We had fans at that airport hotel. We sat at the hotel yeah. by the airport. Which God. Was, that, come on, man. Like don't stick us up there. Like, uh, right. we, went to, we went out to dinner a few different times. Greensboro is actually a nice little town. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and yeah, obviously we had a great, great game against Alabama. That was a ton of fun. Uh, one at the end of the game, uh, for those that watch the NBA, they had Jermichael Green on their team, uh, who's still in the league. I think he plays for the Nuggets. Yes. I think. Uh, yeah. He's on the Nuggets this year. Yeah. He was on the Clippers for a couple of years. Back, yeah. I played for the Clippers. Now on the Nuggets. Yeah. So they had him. Anthony Grant was their head coach. Uh, who's now the head coach at, at Dayton. This thing keeps, mm -hmm. like, it's gotta, it's gotta do the, there you go. Um, <laughs> So yeah, great game. We're in Greensboro. Um, I'm trying to think of other things that were that were fun about that trip. Obviously, I think I can't remember if it was the game right after us where CJ McCollum and Lehigh beat. Duke. Oh yeah, snapped absolutely yeah. snapped and beat. Yeah. Duke. yeah, so that that's a fun. That was a kind of a fun story from that time too. So then obviously we we go and we play North Carolina. It's in Greensboro. I vividly remember it being an absolute home game for them. Like we had the place was packed. We had our tiny little section uh for Creighton and then the the rest of the arena was all Carolina and it was it right. was a home game they had if you go and if if you go and look at uh North Carolina's roster that year they had eight guys that played in the NBA um mm -hmm. which is to, to think about that is is insane I mean that's 
the level of talent on, on that roster is, is out of control. So um, obviously they beat us. I thought we, we, we played them. Okay. Um, like we, we hung in there pretty tough. Um, they just, they just quite honestly, man, they had too many guys. Like at the end of the day, right. sometimes just, most of the time, that's just kind of how it goes. So uh, I think I played at the end of the game, I played like 90 seconds or something. We played, we played a little two, three zone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's fun experience. Awesome experience. Jim Nance did our game. I remember talking to Jim Nance for like five minutes before because the Masters was coming up in like three weeks and he was doing the Masters. So I chatted with him about and say tournament and the Masters. And yeah, very, very fond memories of that week. I do remember a handful of Duke fans stayed back because of their hatred of North Carolina was so yeah. strong that they just started cheering for us. But it just wasn't enough to drown out the sea of UNC blue, even though we did have a little section, which Obviously, we appreciate, but in that Coliseum, yeah. it was a home game tough. for Carolina. Man. Yeah, it was, it it was, was a home game, game for Carolina for sure. And uh, yeah, I do remember that year because my brother was Loki, a huge Austin Rivers fan. He was another one of those like early hoop mixtape guys. So my yeah, brother actually yes, drove up to North Carolina to watch us play, but he stayed back and watched that game. And then now he's a CJ McCollum fan to this day. Like he switched yeah. over from Austin Rivers to CJ that day. So I do remember I that time. It's crazy to think. It's crazy to think back on on that. Like, I mean, CJ McCollum. I mean, I mean, he's as good as they get in the NBA, and he was just he was a he was on a 15 seat out there and just getting buckets on Austin Rivers and <laughs> Duke. Man. Man, it's crazy, bro. We talked about the camaraderie that we have in our team. I think it it's been mentioned so often before, but that trip to the Bahamas is really what helped us really, 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 really connect as a team. We got to hang out so much and. Yeah. you know, start to form like that lifelong brotherhood. I know you were a big fan of the Bahamas. What was your favorite moment of that trip uh, as we wrap it up here on the Welcome to the J podcast? Man, Bahamas. Uh, I'm trying to think, man. I mean, we just, yeah, like everything we did as a team was just hysterical. I mean, we, like, obviously we played in that, that kind of ratty gym. Um, mm-hmm. And uh I remember, I don't know if you remember this, uh, but we, we played against one of those teams, one of those kind of semi-pro uh, bohemian teams or whatever. And later that I can't remember if it was that night or if it was like the next night, we all went to the casino because um, yeah. you go to the casinos there at 18. And so we all went to the casino and one of the dudes that we had played against was like one of the card dealers. <laughs> for one of the dealers. <laughs> and we were going nuts. And, um, and I remember like, I remember the same, the same, uh, lines, the casino story We're uh, at the roulette table and, and mm-hmm. Josh Jones had won like two or three times in a row on roulette. Right. And like, you know, how Jones is, he was getting so fired up, like every time <laughs> or every time red or black hit. And he was just, he was just going crazy. And they had to tell him to like, calm down. They're like, you gotta, you gotta get away from the right. table. He, he didn't know casino etiquette. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um jonesy was losing his mind after winning a couple (laughs) yeah yeah he was he was fired up yeah that trip was a blast man i mean it's it's amazing how much we still like talk about that and laugh about that because it was just such a ridiculous time and and but yeah it was it was uh as good of a bonding trip as you could ever ask for for a bunch of college basketball kids that are you know, trying to, trying to go win games. And it's, it's different now um, because the rules have changed. So these teams can all kind of practice and stuff in the summer now and work out more formally. Like, but back when you and I played, 
all you could do in the summer was lift weights and play pickup. You couldn't do anything else. Yeah. Yeah. You couldn't, you couldn't do workouts unless you were doing one of those summer trips, which you could do once every four summers. So those like two weeks or whatever we had prior to Bahamas, we actually got to get like structured workouts and practices in. And so Mm. I thought, for us, those were huge. Those were extremely helpful because then you were just ahead of the eight ball come official practice time. So, mm-hmm. um, like I said, obviously it's different now. They can do all the, all those things anymore in the summer. But for us back then, that, I thought that was huge. Kind of puts you on the spot a little bit. Favorite college player growing up? Oh my god, bro! Favorite I know. <laughs> that's like a that's a hard one, man. Mine was Johnny Flynn until Steph Curry like really started knocking heads Steph, down. Like Steph was up there. I, I mean, Steph yeah. legitimately might be mine too because I remember. I remember in high school, um, everyone's like, "Man, this this like small skinny dude for Davidson is killing people." And right. um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Steph was Steph was definitely up there. I mean, when I was a younger too, obviously Kirk Heinrich was one at KU. Um, right. You know, I was probably 10, 11 years old. And, you know, I vividly remember like Saturday afternoon games, KU would be on ESPN or whatever. And you, and you sit down, and you watch Kirk Heinrich, Nick Collison, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and Kirk was, Kirk was the man. So yeah, Kirk or Steph would probably be the two I would, I would say. Favorite road arena to play in, in the Valley. Oh, Wichita. Yeah, it's not even yeah. it's not, it's not, <laughs> not even close. Coach Max said the, the same thing, bro. The rest of the ones are terrible. Um, yeah. Well, North, no, Northern Iowa wasn't bad. Northern Iowa beat us at the buzzer senior year at Northern Iowa, and it was it was buzzing pretty good for that. But mm-hmm. gosh, the other ones, man. I don't know if you yeah, I guess it probably would have been your freshman year. Evansville, remember Evansville switched arenas? Oh, the old but one, yeah. One, yeah, disgusting. That thing was tough. Remember they had the monster truck the day before we played, yes. so the floor was so slippery during the floor warm-up. Was slippery, like, yes. What did they drive the horrible. monster trucks on the hardwood? What's going on? It was terrible. That was one of the worst arenas. Indiana State's yeah. arena was brutal, like mm-hmm. straight out of 1977. I mean, it was but hey, that Larry Bird jersey hanging up made it all the worthwhile for yes. the Indiana State Arena, though. Because I remember when I first yeah. walked in here in there, I was like, oh, this is this is dope. <laughs> Yeah, it, uh, I mean, we were one of the first. We were also this isn't the valley, but we were one of the first teams to play in Oregon's new arena. They had just gotten that new arena when we played them. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, they had only had like four or five games on. It. I mean, quite, I mean, obviously everybody knows this now, um, but they literally didn't even have the half court line painted. Half court line. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, think about that today. Think about that in today's games. Like, how absurd is that to not have the half yeah. court line painted, and then you're playing games, and then it ends up that they call a backcourt violation violation. is what ends the game yeah unbelievable favorite restaurant in omaha i'm really putting on the spot now (laughs) uh well i get i mean i get a hard time for this and everybody mostly knows this but big fred's i grew up on yeah (laughs) i grew up on big fred's uh it's just it's just our spot it's our family spot (laughs) my dad used to bartend there we just I mean, it's just kind of our, I don't know, for whatever reason, it's just our family spot. I, under, I, I understand that there's places that have better food. Like, I get that. You know, like, yeah. Grant Gibbs always, like, rides me about Big Fred's. I'm like, bro, I'm not, 
I'm not saying it's a Michelin star restaurant. I've never once said that. It's just like nostalgic <laughs> to me. That's why I like going there. So I love uh, it. I love it, bro. And I'm so happy right now because when people found out you were on the podcast, I, I, a couple of texts came through like, he's going to mention Big Fred. That is good. So I'm so happy that you stayed true to bread and you didn't go bougie or anything like no, that. No, no. I will say the best pizza, sticking on the pizza train, though, the best pizza in town is Noli's in Blackstone, which... Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Is about as good as it gets. Yeah. And I guess I kind of asked you that, but favorite basketball college moment? Favorite college moment? <sighs> basketball Man, I related. I got a lot of like... <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> not nights at not, not right. yeah um basketball i mean i've got a lot of funny ones i guess i'm trying to think mm-hmm. of a favorite one um man favorite one probably the, i mean probably the tournament that's what you grow up like wanting, wanting to, do. to do i mean that's what you yeah. i mean as when you're a kid and, and hoops is your life that's all you want to that's all you think about as a kid is like playing an ncaa tournament that's all you think about so like finally getting, I, I vividly remember, and this was never, ever the case. Every time I checked into a game, I never once thought about this, but I specifically remember checking in against Carolina and being like, whoa, man, this is like the real deal. I'm on CBS right now playing North Carolina in NCAA tournament, like despite mm-hmm. the fact that we're down 15 or 16, whatever it was, and it's kind of the end of the game. Like this is a pretty surreal moment. So that that's probably the one overarching moment that sticks out. Ross, thank you so much, man, for stepping into the J with me one more time. I, we, My we guy. This in our history. It, it feels good to do it virtually one time I for know. the one time. Uh, make sure to like and subscribe to the Field of 68 Media Network for content such as this. I'm your host, Jahans Manigo. Ross, love you, bro. Can't wait to see you again this summer. You know, yeah. we're going to chop it up as always. We'll chop it up. We'll chop it up. I'll, uh, I'll touch base soon and uh, keep killing it in Poland, brother appreciate you man and as always you guys out there who are listening stay safe and go jays go jays man